From OTMP, this is your COVID-19 update. It is Thursday, the 6th of May, 2021. In this month's episode, Dr. David Owens and Professor Ben Cowling discuss the recent cases involving variants of concern in Hong Kong. These cases have resulted in an increase in the numbers of people being quarantined and subject to compulsory testing orders, including those who have already completed vaccination. The vaccination programme in Hong Kong is efficient, free and vaccines are widely available. However, the percentage of the overall population taking the vaccine continues to be low. They discuss the factors which influence such a high level of vaccine hesitancy and contrast this with the high vaccine uptake in a recent survey of OTMP patients which showed 88% of patients who have had at least one vaccine in comparison to 13% of the population overall. They both make the case for relaxing quarantine restrictions for vaccinated individuals in order to create carrots and nudges for boosting vaccination rates. Well, Ben, we talked before Chinese New Year about the, the end of the fourth wave, whether it was going to be before or after Chinese New Year. It took longer than we, than we hoped. Where do you think we're at now in Hong Kong? We haven't quite got down to zero cases. We're so close, but we've never quite got down to zero after the end of the fourth wave. I think now we're probably in a period of time between waves when we have sporadic cases. Most recently, that the infection of concern is the domestic helper that was infected with the variant. Now, the WHO terminology for these variants of concern is, is V1, V2, and V3, but I don't think people know what those correspond to. So we'll often give the name of the place where they were first detected. So V1 is the UK variant, V2 is the South Africa variant, V3 is the Brazilian variant. So the domestic helper in Hong Kong had the V2 variant. Um, and that's a concern because presumably there's at least one or more cases that we don't know about linking her back to the traveller that had come in from Dubai. Uh, and maybe there are other cases we don't know about with this particular variant. If we're lucky, then those infections would have gone nowhere and uh, that there wouldn't be any other transmission going on now. If we're unlucky, though, maybe there have been some other transmission events. Maybe there are other cases in the community that we haven't quite picked up. Um, and maybe we'll hear about that in the coming days or, or week or so. It's unlikely that there'll be a lot of silent transmission in the community because the way COVID spreads is in fits and starts. So you have a lot of cases that, that don't pass on infection to anyone else. Probably 70% of cases don't transmit to anyone else. And then you have a minority that maybe have these super spreading events. And that's when you find out about infections in the community because suddenly there's a cluster of cases. Uh, maybe they've already passed on infection to, to their social contacts and their, their friends and relatives. And so it's, it's then suddenly a lot of work to track down all those cases and try and get to every single uh, transmission chain to cut off the outbreak before it gets too large. And of course, we're worried about these variants of concern because they are both somewhat more infectious and, and possibly more important from a disease perspective. And also the fact that the vaccines may not be quite so effective, although it seems as if they are effective to some degree against the, the variants less so against the South African one, possibly. So there's two aspects of vaccine effectiveness that we need to think about. One is the effectiveness against severe disease. So a person landing up in the intensive care unit or, or getting very, very sick from COVID. 
And even with the variants, the BioNTech vaccine seems to be effective in limiting that possibility. So for the people that are vaccinated, I don't think they need to worry about getting severe disease anymore. But then there's the other aspect of protection against mild infection. And that's where the South Africa variant particularly seems to be able to evade a little bit. So whereas BioNTech might be 90, 95% effective against mild infection with the ordinary virus, with the variant that comes down maybe to 80%, something like that. It's not, it's not low, but it's definitely a little bit lower than it, than it was otherwise. Um, and that's a problem for herd immunity. But then when we look at places like Israel, they have had introductions of the South African variant. It hasn't taken off. So I think we can be a little bit reassured that in a place with high vaccine coverage, even the current variants don't pose a major threat. The problem will be if there's another variant in the future that can even get around uh, the, the immunity from, from the current vaccines. We, we're lucky that hasn't happened yet. And I hope that won't happen. I think also, if we look at the UK data at the moment, COVID is tracking at lower than influenza for the for the first time. Uh, so the vaccines are clearly very effective in population terms, including, as you say, against the variants, because we've had South African variants in the, in the UK as well. Yet in Hong Kong, we have vaccine availability, we have plenty of space, but we have a relatively low uptake. How do you feel about the vaccine take up at the moment? I think by the end of March, about half a million people had had a, a vaccine dose. And by the end of April, it's now about 1.5 million doses administered, with 13% of the population having at least one dose. And I think 6%, some of the 6% being fully vaccinated with their second dose. Most people who have their first dose do go on to get the second, but there's a lot of people uh, who have chosen not to get vaccinated yet. It's not too difficult to go onto the system and book an appointment for people who want to get vaccinated. And a lot of people are, are hesitant. It's not exactly anti-vaccination, not exactly against the idea, just maybe waiting because they don't feel the urgency to get vaccinated, maybe waiting to see if it will become necessary if it will become required or if there'll be some advantage to getting vaccinated yes it's really interesting we recently did a study of vaccination in our population group and 13 percent in, in the population in general but 88 percent of patients of otmp have been vaccinated by this point and a further six percent described themselves as definitely intending to get vaccinated. So we're looking really at a six percent hesitancy rate, uh, which is which is really excellent in terms of population coverage. And the factors that drive these differences are, are, are really interesting to me. The uh, the the, uh, the pa person who who comes to our practice is living in the same community, has the same minimal barriers to entry for vaccination, has the same risks both of the public health restrictions limitation risks of quarantine and also risks of the disease yet makes a very different choice any thoughts about why that would be then i don't fully understand the the hesitancy that we're seeing in hong kong right now i think there's a, a number of underlying drivers one would be the the sense of urgency but one is definitely the the media influence with a lot of reports in local media of side effects from vaccination and at the same time lack of clear perceived benefits of getting vaccinated because we see in the, the most recent lockdowns, uh, the, the most recent quarantines of entire buildings in the mid-levels and then in Chongchong, 
people who were vaccinated had to go along to quarantine with everybody else, even though their risk was 10 to 20 times lower. And so I, I think when there's apparently not a lot of direct immediate benefit to getting vaccinated, I can somewhat understand the hesitancy. Um, but until we get to a high vaccine coverage, we're, we're going to be stuck in the same status quo with quarantines, with social distancing from time to time, with face masks, with a lot of inconvenience in our daily lives. And, and that can't come to an end until we get to a high vaccine coverage. It won't be safe to, to stop all of those measures. Yes, I agree. And management of risks of infectious disease always involves mitigation. We're not going to be able to reduce risks to zero. So it's a balance of the benefits to the population of vaccination versus the benefits of the public health measures. When we look at the, the evidence now, the evolving evidence for aerosol-based transmission, we know that this disease spreads a little bit more easily. It looks like internationally there have been cases all over from hotel-based spread. And looking at the data from the plane that came in from India and other cases, including the, the case that brought in the South African variant, people are catching this disease in quarantine hotels. So quarantining individuals for protracted periods of time has the potential risk of increasing the risk to the community. I think it's definitely worthy of further investigation. Uh, most places that are doing this on-arrival quarantine have been doing it for 14 days. In the mainland, they'll do 14 days strict and then another seven or 14 days of home quarantine after that. Uh, Australia and New Zealand have been doing okay with 14-day quarantine. And the problems they've had with introductions of the virus into the community have mostly not come from people coming out at the end of quarantine and then developing the symptoms. It's from transmission within the hotel quarantine, either to other travellers who are towards the end of their quarantine period or to the staff, um, and then getting into the community that way. Looking forward to the next six months, the next year, it's impossible to keep the virus completely out of the community. The virus will find a way in, as we've seen in the past year, whether it's through leaks in the hotel quarantine, whether it's through the exemptions, the loopholes or other ways. And so I, I think we, we can't aim for a situation of zero risk. We have to manage the risk that we're aware of and at the same time look to get vaccine coverage to a higher level so that we don't need all these measures in place anymore. Because once vaccine coverage gets to a high level, there's no need to aim for zero infections in Hong Kong anymore. We'll have to tolerate COVID like we tolerate seasonal flu maybe have some measures if, if the numbers of cases really get, get higher. But in general, treat it like we treat seasonal flu, without travel restrictions, without quarantines, without lockdowns of buildings, without mandatory testing, because it will become essentially a mild infection. Yes, I think in order to drive vaccination rates, I think we have to start treating fully vaccinated individuals as if they are immune. In, in, in our hesitancy survey, which we did in January, and, and follow up with this recent vaccine survey, there's no question that the biggest concern in our population group is quarantine. OTP patients are much more worried about they or their family being quarantined than they are about the disease process. And the primary drivers to vaccination in, in that population group are restriction of well, reduction in the restrictions of quarantine in particular. When we asked people who'd not been va vaccinated what factors would encourage them to be vaccinated, the most important factors all related to reduction in quarantine, whether it was relating to 
individuals being put in quarantine, if they were close contacts or whether it was border travel. So I think we have to give positive messages for the benefits of, of vaccination. And, and at least in our study, quarantine is one of the is one of the potential primary drivers. I'm not sure what you found in the Hong Kong youth study. Yeah, in the Hong Kong studies, the general population is the same. There's a lot more hesitancy in the whole population. But one of the things that would make people say they're more likely to consider getting vaccinated is the relaxation of quarantine. Another one that was mentioned often by survey participants in, in the general community was a resumption of full days at school for children um, and, and relaxation of the mandatory testing, which, which has been done now. I like the idea of considering people who've been fully vaccinated as being immune. We know that the vaccines are not 100%, but they're very good. And in the future, six months, 12 months down the line, that's how we're going to behave. That people who've been vaccinated are at very, very low risk. Uh, people who choose not to be vaccinated will have a higher risk, but that's their personal choice not to get vaccinated. And I, I think the government's got to figure out ways to encourage people to get vaccinated. There's carrots and there's sticks. So far, we've seen a number of sticks being used, I would say, with the requirements for bars and then restaurants and now for foreign domestic helpers, relatively fewer carrots. And I prefer to see vaccine being encouraged rather than mandated. And a way to encourage it is by using incentives to say that if you've been vaccinated, we think you're immune and therefore you're not subject to the quarantines on arrival, uh, the close contact quarantines, the building lockdowns, the mandatory testing orders, etc. And we understand that that it's, it's not exactly the case that a person who's been vaccinated is 100% protected, but the reduction in risk is sufficient to, to consider that they are a different, in a different category and to relax those policies. And in the long term, I think that will increase vaccine uptake substantially. I think it also, especially in the context of mask usage, isn't it? it was that study from Hong Kong U recently, that 70% of cases were occurring in mask off situations and those that occurred in mask on situations had via lower viral load and were less significant in that context. So if you're vaccinated and you've got a mask on, you must be posing absolutely minimal risk. Um, as, a, as, a, as a doctor, uh, we, we had a situation recently where patients from a, a, a practice in Hong Kong have, have been quarantined, even though they are fully vaccinated, staff have been quarantined. It makes it really hard to practice when you face the possibility of your co-workers, doctors, nurses, healthcare workers um, being locked up for 21 days because you find out you have a variant in, in the clinic. That's just one example of a situation which it's, it's not healthy in, in the long term in terms of population health, for sure. Yeah, I, it also comes to my mind that there's a, a blanket statement saying that we have to keep a lot of tight restrictions in place, including for vaccinated people, because it's too risky not to do so. But I think who's really at most risk is the people that have not been vaccinated. Right now, we have opportunity for everybody to sign up and get vaccinated. There's appointments free every day on the booking system for BioNTech and for Sinovac. And I think right now, the people who've chosen to be vaccinated should be kind of rewarded in some sense, or maybe we could encourage people who haven't yet been vaccinated to choose to get vaccinated. Um, and I, I think in maybe a couple of months ago, when there were still limited supplies of vaccine and it was limited to certain groups of people, it was fair to say that 
we should keep all the measures in place and, until we've got a little bit higher vaccine coverage. But now everybody can choose to be vaccinated. So I, I feel like it's time that we, we start on the pathway back to normal and relax those, those measures for, for vaccinated people. Um, as, you, as you said, if you wear a mask, there's really low risk of transmission. If you're vaccinated, really a minimal risk that you, you get infected. And in, in a setting where, where most people are vaccinated, and there's, there's minimal, minimal risk. Does that mean you're coming around to vaccine passports? Yeah, I, I wasn't so keen on them maybe two or three months ago uh, because of the, the possibility of inequity that people who can't get vaccinated uh, or, or for some reason really don't want to get vaccinated, um, they, they can be discriminated against if you have a vaccine passport system. But I think right now vaccine passports are more of a carrot than a stick. And I like the idea of using nudges and, and benefits to encourage people to choose vaccination because the other direction that's that's a possibility now is to see mandatory vaccination being increased and broadened and i'm not so enthusiastic about the idea of mandating people to get vaccinated i agree and one of the most surprising factors in our recent survey was how many respondents answered positively towards mandatory vaccination or in answer to the question whether employers should be entitled to know the vaccine status um, of their employees, there was actually quite a high um, response rate in, in saying yes. And, and I was I was a bit surprised by that. I have to say, I wonder whether in part that represents a frustration of a highly vaccinated population group who feel that they're still being restricted. But you know, like you, I think uh, the solution is education, information and and individual freedom of choice i'm not comfortable with an idea of mandatory vaccination yeah. especially when we're dealing with a vaccine which is still on a on a preliminary license and on an emergency approval basis that's right 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 now with our status quo we have quarantines we have a lot of testing lockdowns of buildings and in the past even districts uh, intermittent social distancing when the numbers flare up we can continue like that for another year or two years but i i think we should be looking to get back to normal in order to do that, we're going to need a high vaccine uptake. And so far, the enthusiasm hasn't been there as a lukewarm reception to vaccines. In our population surveys, it looks like we're heading towards 40% coverage, maybe, if nothing changes. Uh, and that's not high enough. So either carrots or sticks are needed. I'm in favour of carrots, which is why I've been advocating for relaxing the measures on, on vaccinated people, relaxing the quarantine requirements and so on. But the other possibility is for the government to think about mandating vaccine in, in more and more groups of people. So we've seen essentially mandating in workers in bars, uh, essentially now mandating in domestic helpers because of the those who want a new contract or a contract renewal would need to get vaccinated. And I can envisage that being expanded to other higher risk groups, groups that are at higher risk certainly than, than domestic helpers. Also healthcare workers. Uh, as people who who face vulnerable patients every day, people working in elderly homes, uh, people working in other institutions like prisons, and then from there expanding out to to larger and larger groups of people. And I'm I'm not so enthusiastic about the idea of mandatory vaccination. I think incentives are a, a much better way to go. Well, I totally agree, and we're both for nudges and we're both for carrots. And as you know, leaving on a, an optimistic note, we have eighty eight percent uptake in in our population, with a further 6% who've indicated they're definitely going to be vaccinated. 96% um, of those were with BioNTech, which is a highly effective vaccination. So 
if we can nudge somewhere close to those levels in a wider population, we, we, we certainly could achieve herd immunity. So one of the challenges is going to try to, to navigate the different nudges which will be effective, considering the different social, cultural, psychological factors in decision-making in, 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 in the population. Uh, and hopefully over time, with education and information, we'll, we'll get closer to herd immunity. I think so. And what we're also going to see in the next few weeks and maybe the next couple of months is not only Israel, but the UK, other parts of Europe, maybe parts of the United States, returning almost back to normal because COVID doesn't pose a threat anymore. Uh, that's not to say there won't be any more infections or even any more deaths, but it, it won't be the same level of risk as it has been in the past. And that may demonstrate the value of vaccination for individual protection and also for community protection and, and stimulate an increase in, in the enthusiasm for, for getting vaccinated. I, I really hope so. Okay, well, let's catch up in another month and hopefully we'll be looking at much higher numbers. Great, yeah, happy to talk. Understanding and managing vaccine hesitancy will be a key factor in returning our city to normal. The survey of vaccine uptake discussed in this podcast, including a detailed analysis of factors involved in vaccine decisions within our population, is available on our website at www.otmp.com. As always, we advise that you critically analyse all information surrounding the pandemic, including ours, and ask if it is rational and logical. And lastly, if you enjoyed this interview, please don't forget to comment, share and like wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.